There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Good afternoon, good evening, it's, or should I say, 6pm has just ticked round on your Saturday. It is myself, Chris McCarty, filling in for Tom Ucker, and yes, you are gluttons for punishment. Yes, I've been working on the radio all day long, 1pm till 5 down in the nation's capital. How I've made it back for 6 o'clock, I'm not quite sure. Robbie Greenfield, if you are listening, I doff my cap to you, my man, because his driving skills have got me down here on time. We've got a busy show for you between now and 9 o'clock. Premier League football ongoing. What for Tottenham is the early kickoff will have scored up. Dates will have team news ahead of a raft of 7pm games. And of course, we will continue to build up to the late kickoff. It comes from St James's Park. It is Newcastle United against Chelsea. We'll have updates as well. We'll look back on day three, moving Saturday down at the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. South Africa, England, day three of the third test in Port Elizabeth. NFL is Championship Weekend. We'll discuss that. And there's the small matter of a return to the octagon for Conor McGregor. UFC 246, it's the Notorious against the Cowboy. We'll build up to that as well. I've got the Dream Team in place. As always, you can get in touch with us, 4001 on SMS. You can download the Messenger app, Dubai I1038. Have your say, join the conversation. It's sport, it's wall-to-wall sport between now and 9 o'clock. You are listening to The Grill live at Barasti, where the game is always on. This is The Grill on Dubai I1038. Myself, Chris McCarty, in situ, and I've got the boys, I've got the Dream Team back together again today. Boys that will keep an eye on all the sport for you between now and nine o'clock. It gives me great pleasure to welcome the head honcho down at Nadal Sheba Sports Complex, a man for his sins who is a York City fan. Yes, there is a York City fan in Dubai. There's just one of them. It's this man. It's Rob Wadsworth. Rob, good evening. And there's a big game for York City today, I'll have you know, Mr McCarty. It's a top-of-the-table class, York City v Kings Lynn. Oh, wow. In the Nationwide Conference North. Are York top? York is second, Kingsling Ooh. first, four points clear. Ooh, so it's a biggie. Yeah, it's a biggie, it's a biggie. Well, and then obviously we've, we've got some huge Premier League games, haven't we? And I think the, the focus today might be on the bottom of the league more than so than the top, I'd suggest. Huge game, is it yeah, Norwich? So there's a couple of huge games. It's Norwich, Norwich Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah, um, obviously a big game for both teams um, going into Bournemouth on a horrendous run at the moment and, and Norwich need to get some points very very, very quickly. Um, and then Brighton Villa. Yeah. Yeah, big another, another big Graham. game for, yeah. So a big game for Graham. A good, good afternoon, I think. A big game for Dean Smith as well. So, yes, team news upcoming. Team news is starting to filter through now. So, we've got one, two. We've got seven, 7 p.m. kickoffs. One, two, three, four, five, six. My apologies, six. Then it's Newcastle, Chelsea, seven upcoming. We've got an early kickoff. We'll give you a score update in just a second. So, Rob is in situ with myself, completing the lineup today. It is the one and only Matthew Fortune, former Deputy Sports Editor of Mail Online for his sins, an Arsenal football club fan, a man that worked for the football club as well. Matthew, good evening Squire. Good evening Chris, although I do feel like I've spent the day with you, I haven't been tuned in for most of your yeah. four hours I, down I, in Abu Dhabi. I should really apologise to all the <laughs> listeners that are looking for a bit of change, something a bit different on Dubai I want a 3.8 this Saturday uh, unfortunately there is no change, it's me Robbie Greenfield has taken the evening off we will be catching up with him in about 15 minutes time to get an update. I say an update to give give us a recap on what we've witnessed down in the nation's capital today. But yes, an apology from me to all of our listeners that are looking for a bit different, for something a bit different. The good news is, though, you'll hear an awful lot from Matthew. You'll hear an awful lot from Rob. An awful lot of sporting intrigue to look ahead to this weekend. I'll come to you first, Rob. What's the number one thing you're looking forward to 
this weekend, whether it be football, whether it be UFC, NFL, cricket, well, what's the standout? I think we've obviously talked about the highlight already being York v Kinsley. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, obviously there's a big game tomorrow in the Premier League, yeah. which I'm sure we'll preview. Um, always an exciting game, Man U v Liverpool. Um, so I think just the, the football now, we've, we've got through that busy Christmas period where teams have played a lot of games, players have played a lot of minutes. Um, so it's good to see how, interesting to see how the teams sort of refresh themselves, see how they, they come back from that glut of games. And now we're getting to pretty the serious part. Now we're, where points really, really do matter. And as we've, we've already sort of said, the, the teams at the bottom of the league need those points. <coughs> the teams um, towards the top of the league pushing for European, European places, they can't afford to drop Absol- anything. Absolutely right. I, I mean, I think we're all probably in agreement that it's done and dusted. Liverpool will be champions come the end of the campaign. They have got such a huge lead. And yes, the pressure will mount. Yes, we're getting to the business end of the season. But you've got to think, Liverpool will be champions. I know you're saying that, Chris, because you're desperately trying to put a curse on it to try and make it not happen. But you just don't see where they drop points. I don't think they drop points tomorrow. You don't look at anybody else in the league being even remotely close to being able to handle them. To get to mid-January and having dropped two points all yeah. season is is frankly ludicrous. My my biggest fear, I know you're worried because you don't want that 30-year run to end. I've got a 49 unbeaten game run that uh, <laughs> I'm nervously looking at. And uh, and I think I've said it before, but uh, as the fixtures go now, they've rescheduled the West Ham game. Liverpool's 50th, i.e. record-breaking unbeaten game, is Manchester City. It is. At the Etihad. <laughs> do you think they'll do it, man? I think they just look unstoppable. They look more unstoppable than Arsenal did in 04, yeah. in, uh, back then in 03 04. Arsenal carried over a few games from the end of the previous season, I know that, and then went that entire season. At the start of the season, Arsenal wobbled of that 2004 5. I remember we were 3 1 down against Borough at one point early in September and didn't look convincing. Liverpool haven't had that patch at any point. I think we forget because they've started this season so well. What was it, 11 games without dropping a point to the back end of the last season? I mean, they're they're an absolutely phenomenal team. You don't, you don't spot weaknesses anywhere. Uh, Klopp's been able to rotate through a busy Christmas period. He got through the, the two games in two days and they still haven't batted an eyelid at anything. It, it's madness. I, I, I really fear for, for the rest of the league, not just this season, for a couple of years ahead. This will test my knowledge, but I'm pretty sure you boys, and I say you boys, Arsenal 2003-04, the invincible season, you won 26, you drew 12. Drew 12, yeah. If memory serves me correct. correct. Liverpool have drawn one. <laughs> it's madness. They've dropped points in just <laughs> one game. That 1-1 draw at Man United, it was Adam Lallana with that late goal. You look through the results, it is quite astonishing what they have done this season. And I'm saying this as a United fan. Get past tomorrow, they've then got Wolves away. Then you start looking at their games that they've got. Yes, obviously, Man City away. They've still got to go to Goodison Park as well. Never an easy game. They've still got to go to the Emirates. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> always, always an easy game. <laughs> I'm clutching the straws with that one, in fairness. But they get past United tomorrow, City away, and you'd expect them. The, the, the big worry is, it's if they sew this title up by mid-end March, early April, that's when the the... the not the arrogance, but the comfort slips in yeah. and then players go after medals and he starts throwing in people that we've never even heard of. Some of the kids, the young lad they got from Fulham, is it Harvey Elliott, yeah. who by all, by all means is an excellent footballer. But is he going to have a team around him that's going to drive him on and keep on ticking things over? What Arsenal benefited from in that unbeaten year is they had Chelsea breathing down their neck until I think three or four games before the end. And, even, and then they wobbled, of course. They were 1-0 down on the final game of the season at home to Leicester. It was just, it's tricky. It's tricky for Arsenal. A little premature this, but I'll ask it anyway. Is this Liverpool team, where does it stack up? They are Champions League winners, lest we forget. They lost the league by a point. They're on course this year to to finally end that hoodoo. Is this current guys, this current Liverpool side, can it be stacked up with the very best that we've seen? And I'm thinking Barcelona under Pep. 
the other teams, the, the, the Capello AC Milan of the early 90s that, of course, absolutely routed uh, Johan Cruyff's Barcelona Dream Team in 94 Champions League final. Can it be stacked up there? I think it's, it's got potential to, but you're talking about those teams, they're era-defining. Yeah. You know, they, they are really era-defining. We mentioned those teams, and we, we, we harp back to how, how strong they were. They dominated their leagues. They dominated in Europe to an extent during, the, during that period. Liverpool have got the potential to do that, undoubtedly. You look at last season, they only lost the league by, was it two points? One, point. One point, excuse me. Um, they've done it you know, phenomenal this season. Champions League already. Can they get the Champions League again? So they've got the potential to do it. I don't think we can quite put them there yet because it's not era-defining. Rob's absolutely right. You have to you have to dominate for a prolonged period. You have to go into every tournament for a couple of years, three years, and everybody be petrified of playing you. I still think, while they're brilliant in, in England domestically, and while they are, of course, European champions and made the final the year before, exactly. kind of forgotten because of it, I still think there are teams out there in Europe, it's certainly not in England because everyone's petrified of playing them, but in Europe that might think, I still think we could maybe get at that midfield, I still think we could get at the heart of that centre defence if Van Dijk is maybe having a little bit off game because he is liable to the odd mistake. Of course they've lost, I think, twice away in Europe already this season. Yeah, so they're not infallible. So I don't think they're quite, as Rob says, it's not an era-defining team yet. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant team to watch. It's exciting every single week, but it's not quite dominated for the longer, longer period of time to, to make them era-defining. Ifs, buts and maybes, of course, and this is huge. We've still got an awful long way to go. We're not out of January, for goodness sake. But if, and I'm throwing this in, if Liverpool do go on to win the title, which I expect them to do, if they do that unbeaten, and God forbid they go on and get to another Champions League final, <laughs> then we'll maybe re rehab this conversation because there's no doubt right now they're playing with a confidence, a swagger that suggests that they are they could quite simply do all of those things. They could win the league unbeaten and they could go on to reach another Champions League final. Liverpool-Manchester United, that's the big one tomorrow. That's the one Rob's excited about. Certainly one I'm excited about. I know, Matthew, you're excited about UFC 246. We're going to be building up to this one over the course of the next three hours. In actual fact, we're going to be live to Las Vegas to get the inside track. Conor McGregor has returned to the octagon after 15 months and he's going up against a cowboy. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm not going to try and eulogise about UFC. I'm much more of a boxing man when it comes to my combat sports, but from the, the fact of cult of personality I'm absolutely drawn to, to this version of Conor McGregor, you say Conor McGregor's back in the octagon, it's a very different bloke to the one that people will be familiar with for the last three or four years, he hasn't won inside the octagon for four years yeah, he's lost amazing. in a boxing ring he's been humiliated by Khabib as he was I know he's come back, he's the, the big uh, getting his own back against Nate Diaz that was the last time that we really saw the Conor that has transcended this sport but this week I think the casual fan hasn't been quite so aware of this because there haven't been sound bites. Yeah. He's been nice. He's been polite. I saw the way in this morning. He walked over and shook the cowboy's hand. It's all just, and I'm fascinated to know, it's all very good standing back a stage and thinking, right, okay, Connor, be well behaved. Don't swear. Don't be that guy that everybody learned to dislike. But it's very different once you get into that octagon. So I'm really curious, purely about what we'll see from him as a personality, whether he'll go all guns blazing, because he also knows that this is a career-defining moment for him. He loses tomorrow morning or, or tonight in Las Vegas. It's over for him. He's not the big money draw after that. And there's so much riding on a year's worth of competition for him and for the rest of the divisions that he might have a piece of that it's going to be fascinating tomorrow. Yeah, I read a good article on the subject of Conor McGregor today, and it was asking the question about who is the real Conor mm. McGregor and I do wonder and we'll put this question to it's Martin that we're going to be joining a little later uh, from the Mirror yes he worked with the Mirror over in the UK he's over in Las Vegas I'm quite keen to ask him that question because I know you're a connoisseur of all things sport as well Rob and I'm sure you've taken an interest in Conor whether you like UFC or not he, he has magnetism he, he draws people in Matt's right this time over the last week or so 
slightly different Conor. Dare I say it's maybe the real Conor McGregor and the pantomime villain that we've seen has been an act just to sell the tickets at the end of the day. I wonder. It's going to be fascinating, isn't it, to see if he can perform in terms of a performance. Yes. Being a new character, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, can he? He, he, say he plays a pantomime villain. He got incredibly successful. Yes, he lost lost certain fights, but he was successful off the back of it. Can he be as successful being the nice guy? And or will he revert? Once as Matt said, once he's in the ring in the octagon, sorry, will he revert to being that guy? If when it, something goes wrong, I'm looking forward to it. early hours, uh, seven thirty, eight a.m. tomorrow morning. Yeah, about that. I think it is. Right then, what we're going to do is we'll keep you bang at three. I'm conscious as well. We've got an early kickoff before we go anywhere else. Just give you a quick update on this one from the English Premier League. It's Watford against Tottenham. We're into the final five minutes at Vicarage Road. Yeah, I and mean, it's still nil-nil, Chris. But that's despite the best efforts of Troy Deeney, who saw around the seventieth minute mark his penalty saved and. Absolute nailed on penalty. Didn't need VAR for that. Yang Vertonghen slide tackling to try and prevent a shot from, I think, Gerard De- uh, Delefeu. Hand up raised. Hit, the, hit it right in front of the, offer, uh, the referee, Mike Oliver, and it was given immediately. But Dini, and we look back at it again, it was an awful penalty. Gazinga plunging to his right, clawed it away. From what we've seen, it hasn't been a fascinating game. The most exciting thing I've witnessed over the last 25 minutes looking over your shoulder is Deli Ali having a temper tantrum as he was hooked and replaced by the new signing, Gedson Fernandez. Oh, did he have a wee temper? He did indeed. Did he really? Interesting. Speaking to a couple of Spurs fans, still doesn't really sit well with me. <laughs> doesn't look right, Jose Mourinho in Spurs dugout I think we all said there's a matter of time where something's going to happen and it just feels un- it doesn't look right does I don't it? think in our wildest dreams we could have thought it would happen inside about six weeks yeah. though did we <laughs> but it is Jose <laughs> exactly it, it is all a bit bizarre Mauricio Pochettino of course given the boot and Jose Mourinho the Spurs boss Watford from certainly what I've seen in the last half hour it's Watford very much on so food. yeah Spurs struggling a little bit yeah, in the, the absence of Hurricane. Going back onto that Mourinho point very quickly, and I, I, I sort of was aware of it, but someone highlighted this. Mourinho has, in his previous job since leaving Porto, has always been announced at the new club on the last day of May or the first two days of June. That is a random Which start. is absolutely brilliant, but then think about it. The Mourinho way of managing then has an entire summer yeah. to get into the minds and makes it... Because you know, for all the criticism levelled at him and for all the enemies he's made, you look at the likes of Frank Lampard, John Terry, swear by the methods and every single thing, the cult of Jose Mourinho. So it's interesting that when you put him into a space where guys have been used to a very different kind of character... And he doesn't have that time to convince them with maybe a softly, softly approach at the beginning because he has that period of time. Instead, he's got to go in there, all guns blazing, and says, lads, you've got a game in four days. We've got to fix this. And it just hasn't quite worked for him. I think I'm a geek, and I openly admit that. <laughs> Someone has trolled through when he has been announced at clubs. And it's the end of May. Last day of May and the first two days of June. That is just <laughs> weird, bizarre, call it what you will. We've got to try and outdo ourselves with stats. If you've got a stat for us, folks, 4001, give us a stat that can rival that. That's more please. boring than that. Well, you say boring. I like it. That probably tells you how much of a nerd <laughs> That's I how am. boring it is, Chris. Yeah, you're probably right. The fact that I'll be going home and telling the missus that. <laughs> Wake her up at dinner. Sorry, guess what? That's what I will do. I kid you. Sorry, did you know Josie Mourinho, until Spurs, he's appointed end of May, first two days of June? You laugh, boys, but that's the kind of banter that I produce back home. Right then, plenty more still to come. I want to catch up with Robbie because at day three of the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, he, like me, is a bit of glut for punishment we're going to be on the phone to him to round up what I've witnessed and what we've witnessed down there at the Abu Dhabi National Golf Course Rob Wadsworth Matt Fortune myself Chris McCarty we're with you through until 9 o'clock we'll speak to Robbie and then we'll get to team news
series. There are six 7pm games in the English Premier League. We're going to do all of that. We'll keep you in tune with that. We're going to be live to Las Vegas. We want to talk referees as well as we go. And if you've got anything to add to the conversation, you know where to find us. 4-0-0-1. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Game is certainly always on. It is Watford against Spurs. That is your early kickoff, your early fare from the English Premier League this afternoon. We're into added on time at Vicarage Road. Nothing between these two. Mm, if you just hold it right there, Chris. Oh, goodness me. Uh, we actually, you're absolutely right. We're just ticking over into the 91st minute, and Tottenham, who have not, from my recollection, had a decent chance, at least in this second half, or we've been watching, have just had one hooked off the line in panicked scenes. I didn't see who it was that got to the byline whipped a teasing little cross into the six-yard box. Goalkeeper missed it, defenders swiped at it, and the ball was trickling towards the line before a Watford player hoofed it clear. It was, uh, that was a nervy moment for Watford, who have, by my reckoning, been the better side for much of this game. But as you say, it's nil-nil with about two minutes to go. I can also tell you from the Championship, Leeds United. My goodness, the wheels are just starting to come off. They've won one in their last five coming into today's uh, visit to Loftus Road against Mark Warburton's Queen's Park Rangers. We're into the 90th minute in that one. It's QPR 1, Leeds United 0. So Marcelo Bielsa, for all his great work, Rob, just this time of year, and we've seen it last year, it's not a good championship for me. I think this is their best opportunity they've had to get back to the Premier League. They're starting to wobble yeah, a tad. They don't want this wobble, do they? They don't need it. It's a kind of a repeat of repeat of last year, um, and they, they need to get something sorted pretty soon. Obviously, there's a transfer window there. Yeah. If they've got money to spend, or do some dealings with some loan players, which they've been traditionally quite good, I think, getting the loan players in and, and uh, performing for them. So they need to, they probably need to think about doing something. I think they need to do it massively. Oh, We're just looking here. Sorry to interrupt, guys. I have to. I don't think I gave that the credit that it was that it deserved. We've just had the goal decision given. The Hawkeye is on the line. I would venture that that is a hair's width from being fully over the line that Watford have escaped by then. Absolutely incredible. It's not VAR, it's goal line technology. We're keeping an eye on this one. Mike <laughs> Oliver has blown his whistle. So we're into the final 60, 90 seconds or so at Vicarage Road. It is Watford nil, Spurs nil. Sorry, let me just uh, just pick back up on that Bielsa point. I'm going to make probably what is a rather controversial Careful. opinion here. If you're a manager that consistently overworks your players and you see a drop-off because they're so tired by the end of the campaign, like we did quite often with uh, Pochettino at Spurs, to my mind, that doesn't make you a good manager because that is your responsibility. If you're a director of a movie and you chuck all your budget at the first three quarters of a film and then the ending is just a (laughs) selection of stills from behind the scenes, (laughs) that doesn't make it a decent movie. And I really think that actually you have to start looking at your approach and your methods. If you're tiring your players out, it's not just about win that game, win that game, be prepared. You have a season that runs from August to May and you have to be prepared. Rob, you'll know better than anybody about conditioning and the importance of making sure that your players are well looked after I actually think that is a real blot on his copybook if Leeds fall away dramatic like they did last year uh, but I don't think that is controversial you look at someone like Jurgen Klopp and yeah. you know the first couple of years he was at Liverpool they they, they played that um, heavy metal football I think it was Tannis wasn't it and the way they all went you know all at it for 90 minutes and then there was some work done I think by the backroom staff led by the backroom staff said we, we can't do this we're getting injuries we're not being able to perform through the whole season as you say Matt and they had to, they had to convince Klopp to adjust and Klopp was able to adjust. And if you look at it now, they don't play that yeah. heavy metal football for 90 minutes. They play it in phases, in patches. And he rotates the team as well. So you'll very rarely now you'll see 
Alexander-Arnold and Robertson both start the game and both finish the game. Yeah. Invariably, he'll take one of, the, one of them off, sometimes both of them off, 70, 75th minute. Same with the front three. He's rotating them. And, the, and same with the midfield. And he, he, all right, he's got the luxury of the squad and the quality of the squad to be able to do it, which makes a huge difference, clearly. But he's learned and he's been able to adjust and it's adapt. It's a fair point. And I, I wonder, I think Marcelo Bielsa, in the position that he's in, he's asking for a bit of help from the board now. He wants a striker, needs a striker. Patrick Bamford's the only one in there, of course. And Tia went back to Arsenal. Did, yeah. And you've got Kimar Roof, who left last year to head on over to Anderlecht. Hold that thought, because what I want to do is, I've got to get to Robbie Greenfield now. We've got to talk a little bit of golf. Day three, moving Saturday. We saw an awful lot of movement down there at the Abu Dhabi. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. Live on location at the Abu Dhabi HSBC Golf Championship. Presented by EGA. Catch the best of the best. Now, I've spent more time with Robbie Greenfield than my missus this past couple of days, and he joins us now live on the line. He just can't get away from me, and I can't get away from him. Evening, Rob. It's not for want of trying to get away from you, Chris, that's for sure. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about what we witnessed. We'll get back to our football chat in just a moment. Let's recap, if we can, moving Saturday down at the Abu Dhabi National Golf Club. A day for the Golden Oldies. Certainly was. The man at the top of the leaderboard. This is 2020. This is not 2010. But Lee Westwood is the man who, when he was world number one back in 2009, 2010, this would have been expected of him. Nowadays, he's very much the old guard. He's a veteran on the European Tour, a man who's won 24 European Tour events, Chris. And somehow, he has got himself on top of this Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship leaderboard. We've spoken about it at length today. He's not won in the Middle East since 2009. He's not won on the European Tour since the back end of 2018. This would be his biggest win for an awfully long time if he were able to close the deal tomorrow because, uh, you know, it's at a Rolex Series event, Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, as we know, one of the top tournaments on the European Tour. And Lee Westwood, amazingly, will be going out as leader in the final group alongside a man you've tipped for glory, Bernd Wiesberger. I'm sure you've been banging on about that <laughs> for the first 25 minutes of the show already. If not, I'm sure you will do in the future. I know you did hit Bernd Wiesberger before a ball was struck at the start of the week. The Austrian is going well alongside Francesco Laporta on 13 under par. But it's Lee Westwood leading the way. Yeah, well, one man that uh, another one of uh, us, not you, Rob, because we'll get to your tip in just a moment. But Matthew Fitzpatrick has just snuck in a late birdie or two. He's at 12 under par, so he's put himself in wonderful position as well. And the name of Sergio Garcia stands out like a sore thumb. He's on 11 under par, so some big names in among that chasing group. Yeah, Garcia, former winner of the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic, so he knows how to get it done in the Middle East. Matt, Fitzpat- Matt Fitzpatrick, I should say, has also won up the road in Jumeirah Golf Estates at the, the DP World Tour Championship. So there's quite a lot of pedigree sprinkled in and around some names that only the, only the hardcore golf fans, only those fans that spend their weekends following europeantour.com and pgatour.com. I know, what, I know them because I am one, Chris McCarty. Kurt Kitayama. Uh, Francesco Laporta, I had to Google him, so I'm confessing to you that he has come absolutely out of nowhere as the Italian. Thomas Dietrich, the Belgian, had a good year last year. And then you've got the likes of Xander Lombard, Sebastian Heisel, who actually grew up in the UAE, played a lot of his golf out of Emirates Golf Club, did uh, the six foot six inch German. He even has you by an inch, Chris. He shot uh, 84, uh, 64, sorry, earlier today to get to nine under par. And he's very much in the shake-up. As for the world number one, Brooks Kepka, you've got to stroll all the way down to five under par. It's been a bit of a day, a bit of a weekend to forget for Brooks Kepka. He's in a tie for 48th place 
at five under. And as we established at the end of our broadcast a little earlier this afternoon, too much ground for Kepka to make up for the world number one to be lifting the Falcon Trophy tomorrow. Now, I want to avoid what we did at the DP World Tour Championship, Robert. You may recall that we sent you out at just before four o'clock. You got down to the 18th green. We thought you'd be calling the action and you got the final putt and that was it. That was the whole sum of our commentary at the DP World Tour Championship. I'm looking here. There's a three ball heading out at five past noon. That is your leading three players. Lee Westwood, Bernd Wiesberger and Francesco Laporta. They're all teeing it up at five past 12 tomorrow afternoon so what time are we expecting them in the clubhouse well it's interesting because usually they do t they, they play two balls on the weekend once the cut has been made so i don't know whether that's trying to bunch up the field because there, there's maybe a slight weather concern for the afternoon whether they're just conscious that if there is a playoff it's a bunch leaderboard they need to leave enough daylight for that playoff to take place but you know you're looking at between four and four and a half hours these days for a, a round of golf on the european tour so we better be ready at four o'clock sharp, Chris McCarty, and we might have to maybe commandeer even more of Helen Farmer's show if we're going to get the final action in, because the last couple of holes, I would anticipate, would be taking place between four and 4.30. OK, Rob, you send that memo out to Helen. She's basically got the day off tomorrow, the lucky so-and-so. <laughs> we will commandeer her show. But listen, Rob, bless you, my man. Thank you for all your endeavours. Thank you for your hard work. Looking forward to catching up with you bright and breezy tomorrow morning. Until then, my friend, have a good night. Cheers. Cheers, Rob. Rob Greenfield, catching up with him, as we always do when it all things golf. He is in his element and has been over the past few days down in Abu Dhabi. So a heck of a leaderboard. Lee Westwood, as you heard from Rob, he leads the way on 14 under par, but the chasing pack that includes Sergio Garcia, Matthew Fitzpatrick, former winner of the DP World Tour Championship, throw in Rafa Cabrero-Bale, good friend of ours, Louis Oosthuizen as well, a former major winner. So the list is a good one behind Lee Westwood. Tomorrow should be excellent. So if you're at a loose end, if you fancy taking the day off, off work, then pop on down to the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship presented by EGA. Now, I set you guys out there a task earlier. The stat, Matthew Fortune, that you throw out that Jose Mourinho, from Porto onwards up until Spurs, was appointed manager at football clubs last day of May, first, first days of, of June. June. I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Hannes might have seen that and risen the bar with this one. We need to verify this, so you're my fact checkers. Because Hannes has been in touch on 4001. He says, here's a football stat for you. The only country who have not lost to Brazil, the great Brazil, arguably the most famous football team on the planet, according to Hannes, is Norway. Is that... I assume that's the only team that's played them and... And not lost. Yeah. That's a heck of a stat, if that's true. That is Hannes. So Norway are unbeaten against Brazil. Against Brazil. Have you checked it, Matthew? Well, I'm on the ever unreliable Reddit to confirm it, <laughs> but it did come up when I said, when I typed in only country to lose to Brazil, the top hit through Google was a link to Reddit, which said Norway, the only team that has never lost against Brazil. Wow. Played wow. four times. Wow. Seems here, 1988, Norway won, Brazil won. 1997, Norway four, Brazil two. June 1998, Brazil won, Norway two. Yeah, that was... Uh, That's a World Cup year. Oh, World Cup, yeah. They were in the same group as us. Scotland. Uh, of course Last they were. major appearance. Yeah. It was Norway, Brazil, Scotland and Morocco. Blimey. Needless that, to say, we did done not. by the Norwegians as well, yeah, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Thanks for that. Uh, and then 2006, most recently, a one-all draw. Well, well, well. Wow. So That's Norway, good, that. that. I tell you what, <laughs> Hannes. 
That is a stat. That is. That's the bar. That's been set. So forget your Jose nonsense. Zoe, if you're listening, that's what I'll tell you could, about. Could you do it like the lineal champion in football? So in basket, uh, basketball. In boxing. Yeah. So essentially, Norway are probably the best team in the world. They are. They can lay claim to that. So that's <laughs> the standard, guys. And I'm talking any sporting stats. I know we've got a lot of listeners on a Saturday evening. So if you can outdo Hannes 4001, find us a stat that will blow our minds. Essentially, we're getting you guys to do our heavy lifting for us this evening. We're with you through until 9 o'clock. It's 6.30, has just ticked around. When we come back, we're into the final half hour before your 7 o'clock kickoffs. We're going to give you team news. We're going across the country from the Premier League. We'll give you team news, who's in and who's not. All of that on the way in just a moment. Stay tuned. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. All. Welcome back to our broadcast down here. Barasti, where the game is always on. We're building up to some big 7 pm kickoffs. Early kickoff from the English Premier League. Full time whistle has just blown in the past few moments. Not much to tell you about. Well, you say that, Chris. I mean, the scoreline would suggest it wasn't a particularly interesting game. It has finished 0 0 at Vicarage Road, Watford v Spurs. That moves Spurs to within five points of the top four, of course, having played a game more. But that barely tells half the story because what happened in that game, about 20 minutes from the end, Troy Deeney was denied from the penalty spot. I always enjoy it when Troy Deeney, the man who famously criticised Arsenal's cojones and then missed a penalty in the very next game against them, he's missed another one from 12 yards. Gazinga saving what was a pretty tame penalty from the Watford skipper. But later on, on about in stoppage time it was was it not Eric Lamella got his toe onto the end of a teasing cross from Serge Aurier it trickled towards the line having wrong footed Ben Foster in goal we saw it hooked clear and we thought God, that was good that was lucky but looking back at it I still there is there are people commenting that that ball how can you decide it's we're back to the VAR of the armpit being offside it is that close it really does look like the pattern on the side of the ball is the only thing that's still touching the line. It is incredibly close. I'm not going to get into this debate. I've got no issue with goal line technology. Absolutely goal line none. technology works. Yeah, I believe agreed. it does. Agreed. I've got no reason to believe that it doesn't. Even if it is, the pain on the ball, <laughs> if it's not over the line, it ain't over the line. I think we can all safely say that goal line technology works. It's a matter of fact, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly that. VAR. I mean, there will be those that are fans out of it there that say it's matter of fact as well. Offside is offside. But when you're zooming in on big toes and <laughs> nose hair and it just all gets a bit farcical, it's what it does. So that's a decent result. That continues uh, Nigel Pearson's wonderful yeah. run. What a start. Oh, oh, it's, yeah, he's, he's coming, hasn't he? And he's, he's had a, a fantastic start. He's won four of the last five Six. before this before yeah. today I think they're the highest points gatherers uh, aside from the top two I believe in the last yeah, six since he came in yeah. yeah he's done fantastic and there was, there was some articles in what he's done and come in and Ben Foster I think spoke quite yeah. eloquently earlier in the week about he's come in he's had that sort of father figure teacher type approach but he's, oh, he's lifted the standards right up and he said the difference between Pearson and the other two managers they had him before was they were coaches whereas Pearson's come in and he's a manager and he's managing that club top to bottom he went round and met every department, everybody there, introduced himself, said this is what we want to achieve. And I think he's very, very, very quickly got everyone on side. He's obviously got experience, yeah. he, he, time at West Brom. Uh, the Great Escape, was he involved in The Great Escape? He was, he was The Great yeah, Escape, he was yeah. wasn't he? Um, so he's got experience of doing it and he's, he's a very good coach. He's got a couple of good coaching staff in there, so Craig Shakespeare's there. Yes. His, his deputy was obviously had a, uh, was there with Leicester when they won the league. Um, so he's, he's got a good team around him, he's got a good team on the pitch, I think he's turned them around. 
and uh, you know they've done it so well. Yeah, I pointed it out as well. On paper, at the very least, they always had a good team. You know, Abdullah Dukari, I'm a fan of Etienne Kapoue. FA Cup finalist last season. Yeah, lest we forget that. You're absolutely right. And he's come in there and he's done a very good job as Nigel Pearson. I think that's now seven games in charge, four wins, two draws, and that solitary defeat which came at Anfield in his first game in charge. And he gave Liverpool. They gave him problems that day. I remember being sat here watching it. Watford were very good. Well, this, one of the players I think had said they went one 0 down in the first half. I think against Liverpool. Oh, Salah, what, it was yeah. a great goal. And what the players came off the pitch thinking, oh, we've done all right here, uh, we've done well. And it, apparently at halftime, he threw the hairdryer at them. Yeah, absolutely really threw the hairdryer. Just said, not good enough. Standards out and went, I have, and that really set the scene. Said, ah, here we go. We've Very got a manager here. Yeah. Very interesting. I'm beaten in six. Our Watford. No one or two Watford fans that listen to this show. So you've got the right manager. You're moving in the right direction. One club that's moving in very much the wrong direction is Leeds United. It has finished at Loftus Road. Queen's Park Rangers won Leeds United nil. And this will come as no surprise to Leeds fans listening in. Calvin Phillips, who has been talked about in the last couple of weeks as someone that Gareth Southgate is keeping an eye on because he's in a position where Eric Dyer, not at the standard he was a couple of seasons back, he's dropped off the radar a little bit. Declan Rice, yes. Calvin Phillips, holding midfielder. He's come on leaps and bounds under Marcelo Bial, so there's no doubt about that, but he's still got a short fuse. A horrendous tackle that led to a straight red card this afternoon for Calvin Phillips. Leeds finishing with 10 men. It was Naki Wells, former Bradford City, yeah, yeah. so that would have gone down well. well up at Bradford, well, yeah. former Huddersfield as well, yeah, so they'll yeah. be uh, celebrating uh, his goal tonight. QPR winning it. Leeds, as we talked earlier, wobbling, yeah, wobbling yeah, badly. Style, yeah, and then an interesting for Calvin Phillips, he's, I think he's... He's kind of been brought up outside that academy structure, outside the academy system, and, and only started playing professional quite late in his career. Gone into as a 24-year-old into Leeds United centre midfield and done had a, had a fantastic season. But the thing with it, I think, with the England side of things, a lot of the coaching staff in England know the young players. They've yeah. come through the 17s, 18s, 90s. They know their personalities. They know about them. They know, know their style of play, but know how their characteristics are fitting into a squad. They don't know Calvin Phillips. And that's, I think that's the one question behind him is, can he perform in the Premier League, obviously? But also, what's his character really like? Because they don't know him. Straight red today means a three-game ban he- heading towards Calvin Phillips as well. So Leeds United are a wobbling at the top of the championship. I said it before a ball was kicked. Brentford were the team to watch for me this season. They had a slow start. They're coming up quick. They sit in third and they will be buoyed by the fact that Leeds United have lost today. Brentford, incidentally, up at Huddersfield. That one kicking off at 7pm. So let's get to team news then because we are building up six 7pm kickoffs in the English Premier League. Let us start. Let's start at a place that you know very well, Hmm. Matthew Fortune. It is the home of your beloved Arsenal Football Club. It is the Emirates. It's Arsenal against Sheffield United. What has Mikel Arteta done? Yeah, Mikel Arteta now heading into what I think is probably one of his most important games of the the beginning part of his reign because next week Arsenal have Chelsea to play, which will be a big game for him. But I think this is the sort of game, despite what Sheffield United have achieved so far this season, that the home fans now will think, "Okay, you've had a good few weeks to bed your principles into the club. Now let's give us a performance that means we can get behind you for the rest of this season. What he's done, however, is given them a defence to give the entire 60,000 inside Emirates the absolute heebie-jeebies, including myself. So he lines up, as he does with Burton Leno, always as Arsenal's number one. He then has a back four of Ashley Maitland-Niles, oh, I can't even say it without shuddering, David Luiz and Shodron Mustafi in the heart of defence. Wow. 
And then Bakio Saka, the young English lad who is playing way out of position there at left-back due to injuries to the other two. So I don't level any criticism at him. But what you're looking at is an attacking midfielder playing at left-back probably for the third time in his young life. It's going to be a big, big ask for that back four. Further ahead, they have the, the axis of Lucas Torreira and Granite Jacker, And then the three, Nicolas Pepe, Meza Ozil, and in comes Gabriele Martinelli. A lot of people very excited about him. I still find it a bit odd to see him playing out wide left. And Alexandre Lacazette leads the line. That, of course, the one big name missing, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. His straight red card last week out against Crystal Palace. He starts the first of three games, man. I want to get your thoughts on Mikel in just a moment. Before we do that, though, let's give you the Sheffield United starting eleven. So that's Arsenal. Pretty attacking. Martinelli, Ozil, Pepe. Lacazette, it's tried and tested. It is, and I think that's what you know. Sheffield United have, have done ever so well this season. They've got a consistent lineup, and they you know, talk about injuries beforehand. I think we were, and I'm sure we'll talk about injuries with other teams. They've hardly had any injuries no. this year. No, they've had it, and it shows the the level of a little bit of luck, but the level of conditioning, sports science, nutrition, fitness has gone into that preparation, and they've done ever so well. So they're a team of consistency. Dean Henderson in goal, uh, back three of Chris Basham, John Egan, Jack O'Connell. And those attacking centre-halves, as yeah. you like to call them. Uh, five in midfield, George Baldock, um, the goal machine, which is John Lundstrom in every man's <laughs> fantasy football team, yeah, I think. Mine as well, yeah. Oli uh, Norwood, uh, John Fleck, and then on the left, Ender Stevens. Up front, Lies Mousset and uh, Mr Oliver McBurney, fresh from his trip for Swansea. Yeah, we'll talk about Mr McBurney in a second. A couple of talking points from this one. Mikel Arteta, give me your chapter and verse. Have been happy with what you've seen. Of course, you cannot start a revolution overnight no. it will take time but from what you've seen shoots of optimism yeah absolutely listen I was at, uh, at Goodison Park for the final game of Freddie Lundberg's short reign in charge and that and it was it was all I mean it was awful 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 <laughs> I mean there's no, there were no other words for it I was I've been looking forward to go to Goodison I'm not exaggerating for the best part of 10 years I've wanted to go to Goodison I, I try and make a habit of going home with my old Arsenal supporting mates every season for one away game and as soon as Goodison was close to Christmas when it was announced in the summer I was over the moon <laughs> it was the worst game of football <laughs> I have ever ever been to awful it looked like 11 blokes who are quite good at football just being thrown yeah. out. And, and that's no discredit to Freddie Lindbergh. He was operating on a shoestring staff. It was ridiculous. But to, to answer your question in the roundabout way, what we have seen in the, last, in the few games under Mikel Arteta is the benefits of being well coached and being on the same page as a collection of players. The Arsenal team that turned out at Goodison, honestly, they were just running down alleyway. It wasn't someone would take the ball there was no second phase yeah. at any point what we're seeing with Arsenal and there, there is a shortage of confidence there is a shortage of quality in a number of areas in the team but what there isn't now is a shortage of a plan it might not work every single time but it doesn't matter because it's been ingrained into that players over a period of time so I think what Arteta has done he said the right things in front of the media he's done the right things with the playing staff and he's starting to just look like Arsenal that he in his in his made and that's that's exciting I think that back four though needs to change Goodness up me, yeah. Maitland-Niles Luis Mustafi and bless the young boy Saka and Maitland-Niles and Maitland-Niles Maitland-Niles I think people people get on his back but he's also not a right he's back this right is back, a kid yeah. who came through the English youth team playing as an attacking midfielder as a more traditional almost like an 8-10-ish sort of player but but you say that though Ashley Cole came through as a, as a striker 
and went to Palace on loan and Fair. came back as a very, very good left-back. So I'm not saying that it's a, that he should be given a free pass because he had had some terrible, terrible games. However, he does need a little bit of looking after. He needs to be coached, doesn't he? On, it, on that, Matt, are they going to do much in January, do you think, in terms of, has he got resources? Has he got, there's is not, there a plan there? From, to from what I understand, there's not masses of money. I think they spent big on their centre-half, young William Saliba from Saint Etienne in the summer. 27 million quid on a player you can't play for a year. That's massively Brilliant. helpful. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so I don't think there's masses of money to invest. I do think they're shopping around in the market for, for maybe some loans. They've been linked with some players that I think is just tabloid tit I know they were linked with John Stones last Ooh. week, which was an interesting one. Stones John allegedly. Stones and David Luiz. <laughs> I mean, honestly, boys, <laughs> Luis and Mustafi, I'd rather have you two listen to <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm an entertainment business, so I'd tune into the uh, Emirates I'm to watch I'm not out. kidding. But I would have Matthew Fortune <laughs> and Rob Watsworth in my central defence more than I'd have David Luiz and Mustafi. But I mean, to, Mustafi's to, horrendous. To answer your question, Rob, I do think he, he, he's shopping in the market, but I don't think Arsenal are about to go and go and spend £50 million on a defence shoring up centre-half. I think they'll get someone that can do a job until the summer. Mikel Arteta then, very much still a work in progress. I'm with you, though. I, I, I was a fan of the appointment. I remain a fan of him and the appointment moving forward. A quick word, if we may, Rob, on Chris Wilder. Sheffield United, not given much hope by anyone, really, before a ball was kicked at the start of this season. What a job he's done! Oh, wonderful, and you know, it, it, there's been so much wrote about how how well he's done, how he's you know walked through the leagues. He's, he's deserved the right to have it, to have a go, and he's coming to the Premier League, and he, you know, and he's taken it by storm, haven't yeah. they? Let, let, let's be frank, they're up in fifth place, fifth. Fifth, I think the fifth at the moment, sixth in fact, behind me. Man United. Excuse me, sixth, yeah, and they've had a phenomenal season. And as it you know, referred to earlier, it comes back to that planning. I think it comes back to that that consistency in terms of their approach. I mean, you talk through. There's some interviews this week about all the, the preparation they did. So in their pre-season, they have they have a Terra Tuesday, Terra Tuesday session in their pre-season, which is a three-part session. Every player does it, and they are drilled on that Tuesday, and they are, and it's and it's they come at the end of it, and they are they are flogged to bits. But they know then that this is the standards that we need fitness-wise, and they have a set standard every week. Monday they work hard. Tuesday they do gym sessions. Wednesday they're off. Thursday is tactical. Friday he calls it light and bright, finishing and crossing, and then they go and play on Saturday. And they said, and the thing that's really helped them this year, the championship, is game after game after yeah. game after game. What they've had this year in the Premier League is they've had they've had that week. So they okay, the odd occasion they'll play twice a week, but the majority of the times they play once a week, so they can plan and prepare. It's helped them with the freshness and the fitness of the players, and that's what they've done a phenomenal job. That's very good insight that into what Chris Wilder has done, and I do believe unless things have changed in the last week, Sheffield United heading over to Dubai. I, I believe they're currently booked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So watch the space on that one. So that's Arsenal against Sheffield United. Let's get to some more team news. I'm a, I'm appreciative of the fact that we are approaching quarter to seven. Let's move to Brighton, of course a club closer to my heart given the fact that I've got some ties at that particular club against Aston Villa. Let's start with the home side, Brighton if we may. Big game this for Graham Potter, it's the one that I'm sure he's circled, they need three points. Yeah, this is this is huge, it's probably my my one to keep an eye on I think this afternoon because I think so much is banking on it, Villa have of course and I know you'll come on to those but the, the amount of money they spend, yeah. they're nervous so I think there's going to be a lot of tension down there at the Amex but Graham Potter as you say close to close ties to you Chris, certainly easier to get to than Ostershun that's yeah. for sure yeah, um, he, line, well. he, he lines up largely as we expect, Matthew Ryan in goal, excellent, excellent goalkeeper for me they got a back four of Stephen Alzate, Adam Webster, Lewis Duncan, Bernardo of course, am I right in thinking Dan Burns now out for a long period yeah. of time, of course he's yeah. done a 
dislocated shoulder, yeah, I think. Injured. Uh, yes, to, he did last March. Big, big losses. As, as a fellow gangly weirdo, I also <laughs> am equally uncomfortable at fullback. So I'm very <laughs> impressed with Burn so far. They then have a midfield for Aaron Moy. Excellent piece of business that was getting him in. Davy Proper and Dale Stevens in the middle, and Neilano Trossard on the wide left hand side. And then up front, they've got Aaron Connolly, the kid who burst onto the scene with that hat trick against Spurs as the as the Pochettino wheels well and truly fell off. And Neil Malpai. Brighton's top scorer this season, Chris, hasn't scored in seven. He hasn't scored in seven. Had a good chat with my mate, though. My mate scouted him. My mate put an awful lot of stock in him. Napoli being linked with him as well. And if they get 12 to 14 goals out of him, I think they'll have done well this season will Brighton. So, yes, bit of pressure on Moppy. I wish I knew that stat because I put him in my fantasy football team today <laughs> and I didn't do my research, clearly. OK, so let's hope he scores some goals. For Aston Villa, they've it, changed Dean Smith. He's went to a back three the last few weeks. He has, yeah. They've changed it around. He's obviously trying to um, get some impact, get some change in there. They've had a... Um, not a great run of results recently so they need something to improve and um, he's looking to change formation see if he can do it so today obviously new signing coming on loan Pepe Reina starts in goal Pepe so, Reina yeah. back in English football he is so Tom Heaton's out injured for obviously long yeah. term so yeah Reina starts in goal back three um, Courtney House Tyrone Mings to play in the centre uh, and Eric Conzer on the right hand side Midfield four, or it might be, it might turn into a kind of a, uh, a five as we'll yeah. see how it goes. Well, Frederick Gilbert, Danny Drinkwater, the marvellous, marvellous Nakamba, Matt Target, and then front three, Jack Grealish, El Ghazi, and Trezeguet up Yeah, front. I'm looking forward to this one. No striker for Villa. That's their issue right now with Wesley, of course, out for the season. And John that's McGinn's obviously a, a big loss. And John well. McGinn, you're absolutely yeah. spot on. That has been a big loss, and I guess that's where Danny Drinkwater has come in on loan from Chelsea. So that's two games down. We've still got four games to rattle through. There's talking points I appreciate across all of these games. We'll do just that. Keep your thoughts coming in on 4001. When we come back, we'll finish up with team news. And then, of course, as the goals go in in the English Premier League and across Europe, you will be the first to hear about it. Stay with us. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, great to have your company. Welcome back to The Grill. It is myself, Chris McCarty, Rob Wadsworth and Matthew Fortune. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're keeping you entertained. We're certainly keeping you informed when it comes to all things sport between now and nine o'clock. We were just having, continuing really, a conversation that we had on air regarding Chris Wilder. We're looking for stats to blow our listeners' socks off, is what we're trying to do between now and nine. You've just given me an absolute belter, Rob, about Chris Wilder. Yeah, so it was somewhere in the back of my mind, and I was scared to do it on air previously, so I wanted <laughs> to check, check beforehand, yeah. Well done. <laughs> Did my due diligence. So Chris Wilder, I don't know if he's the only manager to do it, but I'm sure there's very few who have done it, but he's the one manager who's won promotion out of every professional league in England. Yes, he has. So he's gone conference yep. to uh, Division 2 yep. with Oxford. Correct. He 2010. Division 2 to Division 1 with Northampton. Yes, correct, 2016. And then League 1... To championship Correct. with Sheffield United. Yes, then, 2017 as champions. And then championship through to Premier League with Sheffield United again. And they're now sixth. Was it that Premier quick? League. I didn't realise they were yeah. dwelling in the championship for only yeah. two years. Yeah, so he's done conference uh, through the playoffs with yeah. Oxford 2010. He was wonderful at Northampton. He won League Two as champions with them in 2016. Took over his hometown club, a club he supported as a boy, Sheffield yeah. United. They won League One in 2017. And then two years later, he gets up from the championship and now they're sixth I mean that man doff your cap to Chris Wilder I think the one thing with it and I don't mean to 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 be the one who who thinks bad of it all but you you look at someone like Eddie Howe at Bournemouth so Eddie Howe at Bournemouth I think you know know, he took them from League 2 all the way or League 1 all the way up to the Premier League and he you know his 
his reputation and his people were saying the next England manager, Arsenal, Everton, going to Europe, and he was the next biggest thing. Now at Bournemouth, obviously they're in trouble. Big trouble. Big trouble. And I think there's some accusations to be laid there at Bournemouth about maybe the, the way they haven't transitioned the squad well enough, his signings haven't quite worked. Injuries. He kept all, injuries. He kept all of the, the older players when he hasn't. Wilder's in, obviously into his first year in the Premier League. Everyone's singing and chanting. He's, he's amazing. That's great in the first year of the Premier League. What's going to happen when he's going to have to evolve that squad? When he's into the second, third, fourth year, like Eddie Howe is, and are people going to think, well, he's not a good yeah. coach anymore? Is yeah, that the same right. Eddie Howe? You know, he's not a good coach. Well, he was a good coach for four years and got Bournemouth all the way up. Wilder's done it now, and it's like flavour of the month. So I think, uh, you know, we have to be careful about how we how we can and, 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 and put these guys really up on a pedestal. We have to treat them with, you know, the respect that they do to what they've earned. Yes. But also we just need to be clear mindful about of the fact. Mindful, yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and Chris Wilder right now, you've got to enjoy the highs, though, in sport. And right now he's enjoying the fruits of his labour. What a job he's done. Sheffield United in action today at Arsenal. We've had team news from that. We've got you up to date with Brighton against Aston Villa. Let's move, if we can, to the Etihad Stadium. We are about six minutes away from kickoff. City going up against a Crystal Palace side who, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, didn't Palace go to the Etihad and win last oh. season? If you've not been anywhere near social media, and that's why I love this fixture, purely because we had Andros Townsend's oh, goal. Yes. I was sitting in this exact seat, and I think I screamed and interrupted <laughs> Tom Urquhart doing a very interesting piece on cricket or something. <laughs> As Andros Townsend whopped what I think was just just an absolute brilliant Hit. goal. A yes. thronker. I think it was absolutely superb. But yeah, they got the result. Indeed, they did. Man City then. Let's get to their starting 11. Of course, they're looking to exercise the demons of 12 months ago, or at least of last season. What's the side that Pep's put out? Yeah, well, we never really know who Pep's going to go with. Of course, that excellent result last weekend. And the one player that was at the, the fulcrum of all of that, Riyad Mahrez, has actually been dropped to the bench for this one. But I'll start at the back. They've got Edison, obviously, in goals. They've got Jao Cancelo just finally starting to find his feet now at Manchester City. Started the last three games. He lines up at right back with John Stones and Fernandinho in the heart of the defence. And Benjamin Mendy, another one who's on a good run in the side at the moment and starting to have the impact that I think many expected of him two years ago. He'll play at left back. You have the midfield three. It's Ilki Gundogan, David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. They're the midfield three. And then you've got Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling, either side of Sergio Aguero, fresh from his hat-trick last time out. Yeah, I think I'm going to live to regret not getting Aguero in my fantasy football team today. That's City. Then what about Crystal Palace? Roy Hodgson. I mean, my goodness, what is he? 72 years young, still producing sides that are capable, sides who do well in the Premier League. What have Palace lined up with today, Rob? Yeah, they've, again, they've got a bit of a tried and tested method. You know, they've they've lost one of the last five, although they have drawn the last three games in the Premier League one all. Um, so in goal, and I'm going to butcher this name, excuse me, Vincente Guarta. Well done. Thank Correct. you. The left back, I'm going to butcher as well, Jero Riedwald. Well done, Dutchman. Gary Cahill, James Tompkins, and Martin Kelly make up the back four. Uh, midfield, you've got Kuate, you've got James McCarthy and James MacArthur in a in a three. Jordan Ayew and Wilfred Zahar playing against playing no, and behind Cenk Tosin. Yeah, Tosin signed from Everton. Everton yeah, might be a business that I think Tosin came to. He didn't set the world on fire at Everton, and he wasn't very well respected. I think he wasn't exactly what they were looking for at the time. But he came from Besiktas with a formidable yeah. reputation. Did, I know yeah. it's a it's a substandard league as well, as we look at the European team. But he's a smart player, and I think Palace who struggle with goals, they only really have that one outlet in Wilf Zaha and just Townsend for all that we were eulogising that goal last year. He's not really the same on the other flank. But I do think that, that having a, a focal point that's, that can play with confidence, because you look at Christian Benteke, you look at Jordan Ayew, Jordan Ayew, apart from that wonderful goal he scored a couple of weeks ago, is not 
inconsistent, isn't it? You, you exactly that. You mentioned Christian Benteke. Now, I'm not aware of an injury for Christian Benteke. I know there's been a lot of articles written this week linking him with certain clubs. Not on the bench, Christian Benteke. And you know, if I was Dean Smith and Aston Villa, he had a good spell there before he Absolutely. moved to Liverpool, I'd bring him back. Yeah, I think that's I hand and glove, that one. I think surely. it's a perfect fit. If anything's going to reignite a player who, lest we forget, was very, very good he was for a good 18-month period. He bullied centre-halves. He scored goals, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he scored yeah. pro- but good goals. Liverpool smart spent goals. some serious cash on They it. absolutely yeah. did because he was a good, good centre-forward. He wasn't just a big man, stick it on his head. He was smart. He moved well. He bullied players. He brought other players into the game. He is a shadow of the player that went off, I think, I remember once as, uh, listening to Football Weekly, Barry Glendening famously tipped him to be the top scorer, I think, in Euro 2016. But that was the form he was in. And playing in a good side like Belgium, that was the sort of player that we were looking at. And he's just fallen off a cliff. And he I has. think him back at Villa would be a real smart fit. Yeah, watch this space on that one. So City against Palace. We'll get predictions from the boys in just a moment. We've still got three games to go through. And we're about two minutes away from kickoff. Let's go to Carroll Road. Norwich against Bournemouth. This is 20th versus 19th. The proverbial six-pointer, if ever there was one. Let's start with Norwich. Daniel Farke, what team is he Yeah, named? this is huge, Chris, for me as well. I think a defeat for either of these two sides today is absolutely terminal. And I think if it's a defeat for Bournemouth, we could be looking for a new manager this time next week. But I'll start with Norwich, as you Ooh. said. Ooh, how sat by Bournemouth that's bold in a year when Ma- uh, Mauricio Pochettino can fair. be sacked within two Absolutely months of taking fair. his teams to the top of the, champ- to the Champions League final I think anything can happen so we start with Norwich as we said Tim Krul in goal Max Ahrens Christoph Zimmerman Ben Godfrey really shone for me this season in a, v- in a very difficult situation yeah. for him and then Sam Byram at left back they've got the, mid- the, the base of midfield be Tete and Kenny McLean they've gone the, the three Emiliano Buendina just about coming into form he was excellent for them in the championship was he not not quite made the step up uh, Duda is then play at number 10 and Todd Campwell a lot expected from him now after his excellent start to the season and then Timu Puki you touched on fantasy football there earlier Chris everybody rushed to have Puki in their team but I can tell you now that Puki party is over he has not scored in seven either yeah, yeah Timu Puki I did have him early on ditched long ago I've not felt the brunt of his little goal shy over the course of the last seven games so that's Norwich what about a Bournemouth side that are in all sorts of trouble yeah. injuries starting to clear up big day for Eddie Howe a huge day. I mean, they've, they've only won two of the last sixteen. A huge, wow. huge injury list. Callum Wilson's not scored since September. Um, so yeah, they've, they've, it's a sorry, massive game for them. Sorry, huge game. sorry to interrupt. But here you go on, on the stats front again. I think it's, <laughs> this is a direct rip for someone. You could watch the last two series of Game of Thrones. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and still have seventy-one minutes left over. In the same time it has since Callum Wilson had a shot on target. Shot on target. He has wow. not done anything. You can watch the entire (laughs) Game of Thrones. It's 1,200 minutes. That's how much trouble Bournemouth are in, and that's why I say Eddie Howe is... Game of Thrones was like 5,000 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Watch Game of Thrones. That was one episode, wasn't it? That was just just how you felt after the final series, Chris, unfortunately. That was one Tyrion Lannister soliloquy. Sorry to interrupt. That's quite how bad that form is, and that's why I say that Eddie Howe, if you can't get a tune for that long out of your star centre forward, there's big, big problems at that club. massive problems right there. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) uh, Aaron Ramsdale in goal. um, Back four, Diego, Rico, Nathan Ake, Steve Cook, and Adam Smith at right back. Midfield three, Dan Gosling, Jefferson, Lima guaranteed a booking and Philip Billing <laughs> Harry Wilson Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser oh, the front that. three I'm going to hold you to that Jefferson at Lerma let's keep an eye guaranteed a booking is what Rob Wadsworth has just said I cannot wait to see him get booked in this one right then it's 7 o'clock the games are actually starting we've still got two games to give you some team news for we're going to do that in just a moment as well stay tuned one hour down two to go it's the girl live from Barasti
There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.